One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode is sponsored by RW Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace case, if you know me and you do, mm-hmm. you know that I'm yep. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll- a bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knutson Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland. Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutson has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin. R.W. Knudsen crushes only 100% real ingredients, so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the, the game, game of roses. Welcome to the game, game of roses. roses. I've sacrificed a lot to be here. I'm yeah. missing out on time with my daughter. Yeah. And every second I'm here, that's one second I've, I've taken away from being with my, my child. Honestly, I get it. My mom yeah. is dying. Welcome to Game of Roses. <laughs> this is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues, and what we have for you tonight, (laughs) if there is an award for Mm -hmm. best episode of any podcast in the world, this episode that we're about to deliver you will win it. (laughs) We have so much to talk about, so much happened in tonight's episode, so much that is not just important in this season, but historically in our beloved game. It's almost mind-blowing to know that this all occurred in one fucking episode. It's, in my opinion, one of the most important episodes that we've ever seen in the history of the fucking game. I mean, it's writing a completely new blueprint for all seasons to come. Totally agree. 
anything goes in terms of play style, in terms of what the producers can do, in terms of what a lead can do. Everything is upside down now. Oh, God. I thought you were going to make a dark reference there. (laughs) That comes later in the podcast. Oh, God. So thank you for joining us. And let's just fucking get into it. let's go. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. We left off our last episode, Cliffhanger, during a cocktail party. We start with the guys are complimenting how good she looks. Riley says, you got to show her something she likes. If you don't get the opportunity to talk to her, how the hell are you going to get that done? Basically saying, you can't turtle at the cocktail party. You got to get time. And this is important. This is something that always happens right around this time in our beloved game. Certain guys start feeling like they're falling behind. And this idea is brought and up. they that are. If, in this case, they are. In every season, they are. And those guys are bringing up the point of you must have time in order to progress. We then see Yosef in an ITM. He's saying she's old. That's supposed to mean she's the most mature, but the new dodgeball has rubbed him the wrong way. Also, something she said to him on a date. And we get this line at the very end of it, where he says it was a red flag, what she said. And this line was never said. They added a piece onto it. Before that, he says she's the oldest bachelorette there's ever been. She's supposed to be the most mature. There was a red flag on our group date. Then there was a red flag again with dodgeball and that the red flag with the group date wasn't put there. So there's a Frankenstein line here. And this is the first of many augmentations they're going to do to Yosef over the course of his villain edit to really make him seem as mean as possible in this. Yeah, it is an extremely heavy villain edit. They have him say, that's just raunchy humor, completely unacceptable, completely classless. Being a father, I would have said no, using his package deal as a shield again. And watching Yosef give these ITMs, in my head, I kept just seeing this woman's TikTok who says, oh yeah, he was sending me a video of him jerking off to me but actually it was meant for another girl so he's sending these jerking off videos not even to the right person so there's he's getting confused on which person he's talking to it's just a hilarious juxtaposition to me of like oh yeah so classless i would never do that and here we see him doing some out of game play that is going to be so much more traumatizing for his daughter. Don't forget, he has a cherry on top of his classless play outside the bounds of our beloved game. He also uses his dog's Instagram account (laughs) to spy on this woman after she blocked him. That's just smart. So then we cut back to Yosef. He's in the main room with the other guys. This is the room that they're forcing all these guys to sit in to have their big group conversations where the producers can really rile them up. And Riley gets him to start admitting these opinions about Claire being classless publicly. (laughs) This is a great bit of subtle play. Stoking the flame. When you notice another player is going in a direction that's going to get them sent home, (laughs) you fucking help him along. You push him over the cliff and he's doing just that. Riley's like, oh, well, you have these opinions now. Are you man enough to say it to her to her face? And he gets him to lock it in. (laughs) Yosef is like, yes, I will. I will definitely tell her that I think this is classless and I will not mention my jerk off videos. (laughs) Yeah, Riley basically makes him get it in writing. Yosef, prompted by this, goes and performs a steal from Jordan. 
Jordan has a small lion stuffed animal. We don't we don't ever know what that was about. I'll always wonder about the lion. There's lion <laughs> tapes. There's a Phantom Night one tapes. Baloney eyes tapes. There's a oh, there's not Phantom, shows. You try to slip that one in there. There's not Phantom Night one tapes. Jason Tardick thinks there is. <laughs> so Yosef goes and confronts Claire. He says, "I'm going to be open and honest. I ask that you hear me out and give me a chance to say all that I've got to say." says, there's been a couple red flags. He says, the first thing that happened was on the group date. Her saying, you guys are here for me. And he's like, well, you're here for us too. I'm sacrificing a lot to be here. Plays his package deal, his human shield of his daughter. Missing out on time with my daughter. Every second I'm here is one second less with her. Claire. (laughs) Claire in response to this plays a PTC. She says, honestly, I get it. My mom is dying. (laughs) <laughs> brilliant, brilliant lead play here. She completely undercuts this guy. His entire game right now. I mean, he's he's constructing a blaze of glory. This yeah. is a player who knows he's not long for this game. He knows that he's probably going to go home the next rose ceremony. So instead, he's going to go out on his own terms in the biggest event he can muster. This is going to get him some Instagram followers when he leaves. Villains always get a little bit of a bump. And she just cuts him off at the knees here, right when he's in mid-stride. I have a daughter. I've wasted my precious time being here. She's like, yeah, I get it. It's hard, dude. My mom's literally dying right now, and I'm here. Fucking (laughs) brilliant. She gets these PTCs out before he's even finished this sentence. It's like she's ready. She's ready with them for any sort of attack that'll come her way. He continues, though. He says, I found it really disrespectful. It's been eating me up the past three days. The second thing is I was absolutely appalled at the group date that occurred yesterday. All the guys playing dodgeball naked together. It's so humiliating and degrading. I don't see how that translates into finding a husband. Seems silly and immature. He says, if I had been on that date, I sure wouldn't have crossed that line. Never in a million years would I be caught dead doing that. And he's been caught doing much worse. Well, look, in his defense, he's sending jerk-off videos to people privately. Accidentally, yes, but privately. Yeah. These dudes are on national television on a network show watched by millions of people showing their dicks. I know, but it's just not often that we get to watch this with this information being like, we know this is 100% hypocritical bullshit. It truly is one of the greatest gifts of this weird season that had a five-month postponement and some people had their cell phones and didn't (laughs) and who the fuck knows what's going on. But I felt very positively that in the beginning of this season, we knew Dale Moss and all that was going to blow up. We knew Tasha's coming in. But I thought there might be a couple of little things like this pop off too as a result of people being out on social media in the interim. And here we've gotten our first gift. He continues this blaze of glory by saying to her it was a completely classless display, even though she says that's why you're not on that date. And he says, I expect a lot more from the oldest bachelorette that's ever been. All of his punchiest lines here are off camera, which means he's probably saying them in an ITM and not directly to Claire's face, although he's still saying a lot directly to her face such as you're not setting the right example for my daughter. They would show him saying these words if he were saying it to her face. I'm I'm ashamed to be associated with you. You can notice that with you has been added here, and I'm pretty certain he says, I'm ashamed to be associated with the show. And so they're shit-talking the show, and they're cutting it together to make it look like he's shit-talking Claire. 
Or at the very least, he's saying this shit in interviews with the producers, and they're cutting yeah. the audio from it to make it seem like he's saying it to her, which, again, is just to make him more villainous so that she's going to seem far more justified in what she winds up doing and the explosion she ends up having, even though all of this is completely orchestrated by the producers. And then we get one of the most fantastic moments I think we're going to see in this entire season. This is such a rare opportunity for anyone in the game, let alone a lead, that you are going to get to reprise one of your most memorable plays in history. Claire gets to redo her Juan Pablo fuck you speech to Yosef here. And I feel in some ways that Yosef was cast specifically to be the specter of Juan Pablo, to come in and deliver one of these like, fuck you, you're too old, some kind of misogynistic rhetoric. And she gets to shout him down. He was put up for that job and he fucking willingly accepted. He was a perfect target for this. We've never what, seen something What happened like this. is that he keeps trying to talk. She says, don't stop me. I've listened to you this entire time. I listened to you for the last 20 minutes. You know what? You are done. She says, the way you're talking to me right now, never in a million years did I think I'd have to utter these words again. I never thought I'd have to tell another man I would never want my children having a father with you. Claire was ready with this fucking Juan Pablo fatherhood line, reprising it, and she does it to this single father. She probably already prepped this line when she heard that Yosef was talking shit. She keeps starting it, and he interrupts, so she starts over so she can get this uninterrupted footage of her saying the line. I like, I screamed. <laughs> it was beautiful it because was- <laughs> it's not... To me, this is pure game. She's not a great player, but... This is not a a real emotional reaction to this guy. She doesn't give a fuck about this guy. No. She's performing a fucking bachelorette moment. This is her Hannah Brown, I fucked in a windmill and Jesus still loves me moment. It's when the lead can take full control of a situation like this and just obliterate somebody in the name of the game and in the name of their individual power. I'm the bachelorette. And yeah, I'm single because I didn't settle for guys like you. Yosef calls out a line, you're not fit to be a mother to my child. And at this point, a group of the guys come over. They're semi-protecting her. They're telling him to chill. He he says his infamous line that we've seen on all the promos. I, I expected way more from the oldest bachelorette in history. Remember, you're almost 40. Hey, she's all yours, boys. This blaze of glory, it's not quite Mad Chad screaming, fuck you, Chris Harrison, but it's up there. Oh, yeah. This is one of the best blazes of glory in the game's rich history because he's not only obviously going to get kicked off for this. He's gone way too far. (laughs) He's fucking out the door. He's not only insulting Claire as a person, he's insulting her age which has an implicit insult to the show itself, to the producers for choosing someone who is supposedly mature, but is not saying that the whole process is fucked by saying that nudity date was classless of Claire. He's also saying it's classless of the show because they're the ones who did it. All of these things are just under the surface. He's saying, fuck Claire, fuck the show, fuck Dark Lord Harrison. (laughs) He's just not saying it out loud like Chad Johnson did, but this will go down in history as probably the number two blaze of glory i would say one of my other favorite blazes of glory was uh 
rated R who ran away in the bushes from Ali Fedotowski (laughs) 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 while he had a cast over his entire leg and like hid behind curtains. I will say this, though, as as pleasurable as it was to watch to see her reprise this, it was a pale echo of a different time. When she did this with Juan Pablo, that shit felt real, and maybe it even was. Maybe the emotion even was. None of that's here. It's just the words and the facial expressions and the pointing of the finger. I'm not getting that she's in this. It really feels like a lot of moments in this episode are these kind of like orchestrated things to give her a good reel. Yeah. So the producers can cut promos, basically. But she's not thinking of it like how they're going to cut them. She's thinking of it like, I'm going to be the most revered bachelorette in history because I stood up for myself and did all this shit. She says, I didn't even do anything to that man. Sick. Sick. She's yelling, screaming at the ground. Claire gets her first tears of the episode. She says, I'm the oldest bachelorette standing here at 39 single because I didn't settle for men like that. And this line is to camera. It's basically an emotional ITM. I'm not sure she wrote it. It definitely feels like she at least gave that punctuation on that line. Men like that. Oh, it was definitely coached. She's over there kind of like working up tears. The producers are getting her to cry in her ITM. And they're like, you know what? You're better off. Sure, you may be 39, but you're the bachelorette. And that is because you didn't settle for men like that. Isn't that right? And she's like, yeah, because I didn't sell for men like that. They just feed you the fucking lines and then say like, yeah, just say that. And then they do. That's literally how these shows are made. That shit, I'm telling you, these producers have every second of the scripted at this point. And if they need somebody to say something, they just tell them to say it. And if they didn't get it, they just cut it together. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't fucking matter. And then who comes up to save her? It's going to be our season's MVP, Del Moss, of course. He is granted the STCO moment, shoulder to cry on. This is a coveted moment, and there is something very important to take note of right now. Claire Crawley has just been supposedly emotionally devastated by this event, by Yosef questioning her sincerity, questioning her love of class, all these things. She's in a very fragile state. Whatever man can go to her is going to get screen time, is going to get a moment of bonding, is going to seem to be their 4TRR. This is a very important moment. Usually, players would be fucking killing each other to get to her. Instead, what we see is she's at an ITM, and Dale Moss comes out of the shadows by himself to give her a hug and be the shoulder to cry on. The other men are disappeared. The producers yanked them immediately, threw them in the fucking common room, and then said, here you go, Dale Moss. Served it up for him on a platter. They are forcing everyone's hand in this. They want to end the season. Because Taisha, I believe at this point, is already quarantining there. They know they're going to slot her in. So they're trying to force all of this shit to happen as rapidly as they can. And every moment of tonight's episode was evidence of that to me. None of those guys are even there. It's not even like they're trying to get fucking time with Claire and Dale Moss just like beats them to it. They're not present. The producers have taken them away. We also see the guys question Dale several times throughout this episode being like, well, how did you know where Claire was? You just stumbled upon her. And part of that is, yeah, the producers are like, here, go in here. Absolutely. And he's when he's trying to give those lame excuses later on, oh, I don't know, I'll just come to the bathroom. And, uh, he's making that shit up too because he hasn't fucking thought it out that far. When a producer's like, come here, go in there, Claire's in there. He just does it. 
And he's like, oh, fuck, cool. And now he has to go answer for it to the other guys. And he's like, I don't know. Anyway, we'll get to that. That yeah, was another God. whole fucking moment. Uh, but. After this STCO, he's like, baby, what did he do to you? Let's talk about it. Claire gives tears to Dale. This conversation is unbelievable. It's like we're watching a soap opera. She's like, he said everyone here is just appeasing me. She's like, are you just appeasing me? He's like, I'm here to please you. Focus on what matters and who matters. Well, in that exact moment, Dale expresses a sign of deceit. I don't know if you noticed it. Yes, he does. Yosef told her, these guys are just here to appease you. And when she says it to him, are you just here to appease me? His answer is not, no, of course not. I'm here to build a relationship with you. His answer is, (laughs) I'm not here to appease you. I'm here to please you. That laughter is a phenomenon known as duper's delight. There are many famous examples of it, including Bill Clinton, when he's asked if he had sex with Monica Lewinsky, and he goes, (laughs) I did not have sex with that girl. It's when (laughs) someone who is... It's all connected. Well, I mean, deception is just human. The show does it as well. But Dale Moss is clearly doing it here. He is there just to appease her. And that laughter signals that when she asks the question, he's like, (laughs) I'm lying to you. No, I'm not here to deceive you. So we know that he actually is playing a game. And we're going to get into that as well about his uh, reasons for being here. Claire, ITMs, all I've ever wanted is a man like Dale who will come over and protect me and make sure I'm okay. She gives more tears. Uh, She tells Dale, I want to spend so much more time with you. Dale gets a kiss. And she describes him as Dale shows up. She's reprising her father line, how he would be proud of her for just showing up. She says, it's not even the second rose ceremony yet. I'm so... Falling in love with Dale. She loads her love level three with Dale. It's only been one rose ceremony. And I'm literally transcribing every line of this episode in my notes at this point. This love level raise in the ITM, this loading, it's completely produced. The producers now need to hard sell us, the audience, on the fact that this is real. They are in love. And so they need her to start throwing out the word. That has to be in our fucking minds now. They don't really have time to fucking like let us build a real relationship where he's going to go through the love levels in any kind of normal fashion. It's got to be like they're starting at number three. There's only one more to go because they know Tasha has like two days left on her COVID tests and then she's in the fucking game. She has tears in this ITM. DLH crashes her ITM and starts interviewing her. DLH is that's, says, that's so great about this that you found someone who doesn't speak to you like that. And he looks very knowingly and he goes, you've already found him. Another great night with Dale. She says, I can't help it. He's so awesome. She gives more tears. DLH says, do you even want to finish the cocktail party? There are many moments for me in this episode where DLH is really, really fucking revealing that he don't want to be there. This isn't the game he likes. He likes the old Bachelor. He said many times before this season, we want this to be like the Bachelorette. We want it to be like the real show without masks with like fuck COVID. We want to give you guys the fantasy. And I have to say, DLH is fucking right. And I think he can tell he's on set when they're shooting this shit. He's like, this isn't the Bachelorette. You can see it in his fucking eyes. The shine's gone. He doesn't want to be doing this shit. And it's, I got to say, for whatever it's worth, it's extremely hard for me to watch it like that. It's extremely hard for me to see him like that. 
Well, part of this is because we are now binge watching earlier seasons of The Bachelor, and DLH is in his prime Sean Lowe era. He is glowing with fresh souls. He was like this in Pee-Pee's season two. But remember the fucking look in his eye when he's got sweet nums up there shouting down Madison Pruitt on a live stage? That motherfucker is alive. Mouth full of fucking teeth, smiling with glee. That guy's gone. He doesn't give a shit about anything happening here because he already knows what's going to happen. He knows Claire's on her way out. He knows Tasha's coming in. He's like, this whole season is fucked. You think DLH doesn't like spoilers? DLH knows the spoilers. <laughs> I think DLH doesn't like fucking with the structure of the game. And he would never say it's a game and all that kind of shit. But DLH knows it's a fucking game. He likes the ceremony of it, the normal pattern of it. And I really think it comes across that he doesn't like this. And I have to say, until tonight, I was with him. Tonight's episode, though, <laughs> fuck. I'm just like blown yeah. away by how much happened in it. it. Oh, God. Anyway, we'll get to it. Claire I- tells the guys that... Unfortunately, she doesn't think she can go on with the cocktail party. She's too distressed. They will do rose ceremony as she is contractually obligated to do it. You know, that that type of duress where you're not able to speak to people, but you can still do a rose ceremony. And it's also, again, I mean, we we discuss this constantly on the show. The premise of the bachelor bachelorette is that they're helping this person find love and so in a moment like this she's just had this horribly traumatic event this guy fucking said some nasty shit to her she's so distressed as you're saying she can't do a cocktail party shouldn't the show give her another night shouldn't the show be like look yeah take your time journal about this make a vision board (laughs) we'll come back tomorrow and you can have the cocktail party and do the thing we want you to have an opportunity to get to know these guys instead no Get out there and do the fucking rose ceremony. We need you out of here. Tasha's got your room booked in 24 hours. <laughs> Don't you see who's in the pool right now? God Sorry, damn. spoilers. Uh, Garen says, me and four guys didn't even get to talk to her. He's turtling. They're having a whole turtle party. A lot Bennett, of turtles I as a result of Bennett this. Bennett also turtling. I had something fun and nice and sweet planned, but I turtled because of the Yosef drama. Damar says... The people who already have roses have a leg up. Those zero point roses. Another reason why you got to get them because you're not always guaranteed a cocktail party. And this is kind of the first moment. I mean, there have been others, but this is like really where the show is conveying the first moment of the guys are not fucking happy with her. Yeah. They start to be like, what the fuck is going on here? She's canceling this shit. They're not putting it quite on deal yet, but they are starting to sense the game is foul. And a lead's only job at this point in this era of the game is to convince all of the players that it wouldn't be bad to be their Instagram boyfriend or girlfriend for two years. That's your only job is just to get out there and be like, look, we could have fun, hang out, be in a fake relationship for two years. She is not doing that. No, you're basically like a party host as the bachelorette. Claire thinks that they all should just be in love with her for being the bachelorette. But The Bachelorette still has to do something. You still have to be charming. You still have to talk to everyone. You have to at least convey that you are semi-interested in the conversations you're having. Becca Kufrin did this. Hannah Brown did this. They were both great Bachelorettes. And you have to earn those moments. When she's shouting down Yosef and shit, we're in fucking episode three. Hannah Brown doesn't get, I had sex four times and Jesus still loves me until... Fantasy suites, playoffs, weeks later, you've already built good favor. 
you've established yourself as a strong person and that you are there for TRR. We all we've seen of you her can, so far is for TWR. You can have a couple breakdowns, but they cannot be constant. You can't just be breaking down the whole time. And then we're 30 minutes into the episode, we get the rose ceremony. I hate it. So do I. And we again didn't get another one, but we also know this season is fucked. And it looks like next episode is going to be Claire's kicked out of the fucking resort. So rose ceremonies don't really matter at this point. There are some statistical things that we're charting. Who's getting roses and tears. Look, I don't think Dale's going to have a rose quotient because I don't think he's going to get five roses, but first flower, fimp rose, as he says later, it's a wrap. He gives a toast at the end of this rose ceremony to everyone, to strength. It's literally two different playing fields, Dale versus everyone. He's playing every single moment of this episode absolutely flawlessly. I, we'll get to it. I also think that's a producer thing, though, too. I think the producers allowed him the toast. I think they came to all the guys and they were like, okay, Dale's going to do a toast. We're going to shoot this and action. I like to think he stepped up, that he showed up, you know? The (laughs) amount of screen time that he's getting, especially in the situations he's getting that screen time, there's no fucking way he can do this by himself. The producers are all over him. He is shielded by them in everything he does. It's fucking incredible. We get some shots of La Quinta. Jordan is explaining to Dale and Kenny the Yosef situation. And Dale loads a PTC here. He says, I've seen my sisters break down bawling after emotional abuse. He's loading his sister's PTC that conveys that he's for TRR. DLH enters the rec center to talk to the guys. He says, this process, it will expose you. You're going to be seen. That's what this process is about. That's why this works. It will expose you. That's true. Expose you for specifically what they want to expose you for. But this process doesn't work. He says because of that, everybody's going to get dates this week. Usually they would just completely disrespect a couple of the guys and they get no time. They're just locked in their prisons. There's a group date. Quote, unquote, today we separate the men from the boys. This group date's going to have Jason J, Easy Chase, and Blake Ed Riley. And Dale. Oh. Oh, you mean DM? DM is going to be on the GD. Then we cut to Claire and her suite. Very interesting moment. She's busy journaling, pondering over the journal, seemingly writing in the journal. She's journaling about her snot from the night before. I hate to say it, but she's trumping us. We rewound this shot 127 times. She ain't writing nothing on that paper. Okay, I. she is tapping the pen to paper. I feel like she drew a circle at least. You go back and look at this. I challenge anyone to. Clues screamed at this moment. He said, she's trumping. It's nothing. Look at the pages. well i challenge you all to do exactly that it's another divergence here we go go. look when you go back and look you can see where the pen is on the page this is on like page two basically of the fucking journal that she supposedly was sitting there for hours doing and it's a millimeter from the top there's no way she's fucking writing anything meaningful the strokes are too large i'm not saying she's writing something meaningful i'm saying she's writing 
She is scrawling some sort of gesture. Pen touches page. I don't think pen touches page. I think she's hovering we it. See, we see the book move when it because it's, it's on her timing. lap, moving around. It times so the book. Uh, pen did not touch paper. Whatever. <laughs> P D and P. Oh my! No, no more acronyms. P D N T P. P D N T P. By the way, I've been posting a bunch of Instagram stories of potential parasocial play of the week. Hashtag P P O O T W. And so many people have messaged us being like, I thought this meant PP on the way. <laughs> I wish PP was on the way. You know what's weird is like watching this season, it makes me miss PP in the same way I miss George Bush Jr. because of Trump. Oh my God. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, especially the the picture of, of Hannah Hannah Brown posted a picture of her ass this week. We'll get to it in Parasocial Plays of the Week. Yeah, you but, can't miss Friday's episode. It's going to be a doozy. <laughs> People were like, I thought this meant PP on the way. Like, PP was going to come <laughs> join her in the pool. <laughs> anyway. Sadly, no. But whether Claire is journaling or not, whether pen touched paper or did not touch paper, one thing is certain. There is a knock at the door. Claire answers it. Who is it? It's Deanna Pappas, our fourth bachelorette she was a co-runner-up on brad womack's first season where he didn't choose anyone on the bachelor season 11 she has 100,000 instagram followers and she surprises claire for a mini council of the crowns council of the crowns is when they bring back a few previous crowns to tell the new bachelor or bachelorette hey here's the deal Usually it includes Sean Lowe and Ben Higgins, darlings of the franchise. This was a surprising Council of Crowns. Deanna's season was a long time ago. Yeah, usually the Council of the Crowns has the former leads from three to four seasons back. And that's usually it. But in this case, specifically and only because Claire's 39 years old, they're going to have Hannah Brown giving her advice? No. They need a bachelorette who is age-appropriate for Claire. She's 38. Deanna explains why she's there. There's a select few of us that know the position that you're in. She says, how many guys? Claire says, 31. And Deanna is impressed. Her season only had 25. They used to only do 25 until, I believe, around Sean Lowe's season. They upped it to 30. Deanna's season premiere also had 8 million people watching. I looked that up. It was different times. <laughs> Very People watched time. network TV. And Claire tells Deanna about DM Dale. And Deanna does something here that I don't think we've ever seen before. She gives her a crown glow. The royal glow. Usually glows are only given by parents, friends, siblings, family members when they go to hometowns or when the uh, lead or takes them to meet a family. Early meeting of the family. It's usually that. A mom, a dad says, you look so happy, I can tell you're in love. That type of thing. Sometimes they'll literally say the words, you have a glow. A sparkle, a twinkle. I can tell you have really strong feelings. I've never seen you like this, etc. I mean, we've never seen this before. Usually, Council of the Crowns is before night one, during the premiere, in which you can't glow because the crown hasn't met any of the players yet. Claire then presents Deanna with Dale's pants. She says she slept with Dale's pants on her face. She tells this story like it's very cute about how he ripped them at the group date. And Claire said, I want those pants. 
She demanded this man's pants. And then they both proceed to celebrate the royal glow by deeply inhaling the scents from Dale Moss's clothing. They're just Can you sniffing imagine a male his- lead doing this with a woman's pants? No, I mean, there are a lot of things this season that are out of place and very strange. Even for women to do this, I found it very weird and off-putting. They're both smelling his weird. pants. And it's right after she just got told off about the strip date. I mean, they're putting it in here because they're making Claire look obsessed with Dale. Well, definitely. I mean, that's another whole conversation. The edit. All these things we're seeing of Claire are put in the show purposefully by the producers to give us whatever idea they want of who she is. And it really looks like they're building it to her being a bad, bad person. And we are supposed to be happy when the show kicks her off, when she's crying and in tears, when this ends in ruin for her. That seems to be what they're building to. And I think the pants sniffing is a part of it, honestly. And maybe Deanna is in cahoots with this whole plan. She starts saying how, you know, her husband, not the husband, she didn't meet this man on The Bachelorette, but she says, when you know, you know, I knew I would not be okay without this person for the rest of my life. Is this the feeling you have with Dale? Claire's like, you know when you know, oh, I'm in trouble. She jokes, this might be the shortest season ever. This has already been discussed with producers. The idea is already in Claire's head that maybe you can just skip out early. Well, let's see what happens tomorrow. Go on these group dates, do this thing, and then we'll see how you feel tomorrow night. But the producers have already put it in her mind that like that's a possibility for sure. Otherwise, she wouldn't be just saying it out loud like this. Meanwhile, the guys are trapped in the rec center. And someone says, does anyone have any idea what time it is? They're literally in prison while Claire's got her face up in Dale's scent. And the idea that they're conveying here in this scene is that these guys have been waiting around for Claire for hours to start this group date, and she's just being an asshole and is late. Meanwhile, the truth is, again, the producers have orchestrated all this. The producers could have told the guys, hey, it's going to start later. The producers could have told Claire, hey, you need to get to the date. They control where she goes and what she does at all times, as well as the fucking guys. So the producers are purposely putting them in that room and telling them Claire's on her way, just five, I don't know, we don't know what's up with her, just stay here and wait. They're getting them as mad as they can possibly get. They're stoking that fire so that when Claire does show up, they're all kind of like, Jesus, where was she? They're forcing all of this to happen. Oh yeah, they seem exhausted already. Jason says, a lot of curveballs, which I thought was hilarious, because the curveballs usually, you know, you get a big night one curveball, and then you have pretty standard play. And there's more gameplay talk at the end of this little segment Dale gives us in an ITM. He says, I don't want to sound arrogant, but when I get quality time, it's a wrap. Because he knows this is his most powerful (laughs) element. I mean, anytime he's alone with Claire, they're going to be making out. He's just got a spell on her. He knows that. So he's actually grateful that there's no daytime date where he might have to engage in a physical confrontation, force nudity, any number of things. All he gets to do is use the strongest part of his game, which is that in quotes, quality time with Claire. And that's all that this cocktail party is going to be for him. The gameplay that we see coming up, I it is hard for me to even describe because what happens here is perfection. It's astounding. I think I screamed again. They're at the group date after party. Everyone is here, Claire and the guys on the date. And Dale, in front of everyone, including Claire, asks to be the first responder He wants to be the first one to get time with her. He says, I just want to be respectful of everyone, but like, I want to talk to her. Before the guys can even react, 
He comes in, he says, oh, and we all need a group hug. Nothing but good vibes tonight. And this was my play, 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 play of the game. This was a one-two punch, this move. It is so calculating. But the guys can't even question this move because he does the group hug right after. And on the surface level, it's very 4TRR. You have part one, him demanding he's being first responder. No one is going to want to make this steal from him. He brings her super far away. He does this isolating play with her. And number two, he makes them have this group hug. So it's looking to Claire like, oh, yeah, like I'm good with the guys. I'm not alienating all of them with this. And they, the guys are all flabbergasted and they're thrown off their game. Riley's like, Dale's fine. When he hit us with the speech and the group hug, too much for me. It's like finally starting to truly great on them. And he gets even more time than usual as the first responder. Claire brings him back to her house, does a me casa, gives him the tour. And they spend 45 minutes. Clues, mm-hmm. I've been on a mission. I'm trying to find Ooh. the perfect t-shirt. Yeah. Um, because it's spring, I'm ready to get out there, I'm ready to peacock. Luckily, the perfect t-shirt does exist, and you can find it at Skims. From cropped silhouettes to long-sleeve layering tees, there's a style for everyone. You guys know how excited I was that Skims became one of our sponsors for this podcast. They have great basics and foundations. I got the boyfriend t-shirt in Onyx, that's kind of a dark black color and the cotton jersey long sleeve t-shirt in kyanite which is kind of like a blue green and they're both so comfortable it's basically like you are wearing nothing great for free spirit types well for all the free spirits out there right now you can shop the skims t-shirt shop at skims.com now available in sizes xxs through 4x if you haven't yet be sure to let them know we sent you after you place your order select podcasts in the survey and select our show in the drop down menu that follows again that's skims support for today's episode comes from one skin if you have sensitive skin you're going to want to hear about one skin's scientifically proven topical supplements this is face eye body shield and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the Skin Safe seal of approval. You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And One Skin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year is flying by. We're almost halfway through it. Now, I've done a lot of things that I'm proud of this year. A lot of them related to gore. We've had some great interviews. We're kicking it up a level to get on YouTube. We're really taking it to the next place. But there's still a lot that I would like to accomplish this year. And when life is moving fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and to make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and then set achievable goals for the next six months so that you get all those things done that you want to get done. Lizzie talks about all the time how beneficial therapy has been for her. My friend Will on my other podcast talks about it all the time, and I agree. It is very good. It's a great tool to be able to talk things out in your life with somebody else who can set you on the right path to getting all those goals accomplished. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists literally at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Game of Roses today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Game of Roses. That's together. It was a strong play. A valid play. It was not my play of the game. I just find it hard to give Dale plays of the game, I guess, because we know what's going to happen. And I try to... I don't find it hard to be objective. <laughs> Fair. Look, that it was the play of the game. <laughs> it was the biggest, best play of the game. I'm going to get into why right now, but I am saving my official play of the game for someone else. Just another play I that I want to shine some light on. Love That's that all. for you. Thank you. He does many things, as you said in this. This is a multi-tiered play. He's playing chess. These other guys are playing, not even checkers. I don't know what the fuck they're playing. They're throwing rocks at each other. (laughs) He says, he stands up and he says, I want to have the first time. I just need five minutes. So he immediately diffuses the idea that he's going to steal her. It's like, just let me get this out of the way and then we can all do our thing. That's all. I I just want to say something for five minutes. Let me do this thing before the date even really gets started. So he makes them all more pliable, open to the idea initially with that little preamble. Then he does exactly what you're saying. Hey, and by the way, let's all have a group hug. Tonight's going to be good. Let's not have any animosity or anything like that. And the genius thing about it is he did it in front of Claire and the players simultaneously. This move is not for the other players. It's not to get them to be okay with this. No. It's to show Claire, I'm not the one in the house everybody hates. He's preemptively defending against a possible not here to make friends attack. That is such a high-level fucking move, thinking three steps ahead, that he's going to be perceived as the bad guy that everybody doesn't like, and if he can squash that in front of her, look, everybody likes me, I'm hugging them all, that's immediately out of her mind. The group hug also, it's kind of this chaotic thing, it diffuses the tension, he's able to steal her right out of it, so it's not as awkward as like, everyone's sitting down, who's going to be first, and he grabs her and two people get up, they're all already standing up and he can kind of sneak off with her. It was such a fucking high-level social dynamic play. I just can't fucking... We've never seen a guy player this good. No. We'll say it right now. He's the best male player we've ever seen. And what he does after this, I mean, literal perfection. Claire has just suffered this trauma. She brings him back to her house, Amikasa, gives him this tour, and Dale plays... 
His sister's PTC, he says, it reminded me of verbal abuse women in my life have gone through. I'm proud of you. Claire's literally her body it goes into convulsions and she's like, is my hand sweaty? Her body can't handle how good all of Dale's play is. He says, am I making you nervous? And she's like, am I not making you nervous? I mean, horrible play on Claire this whole time being like, oh, are you just trying to appease me? Am, or am I not making you nervous? It's, it's not good. By the way, in this moment, Claire says, am I the big spoon? And they're not spooning. I feel like they don't understand what spooning is. <laughs> not important, but. She didn't understand what Pandora's box was. Now she doesn't understand <laughs> the basic mechanics of a spoon. She says, why are you so perfect? He says, I'm not perfect. You're perfect. He's just mirroring back exactly what she's saying. Gets that kiss. And these kisses, I mean, we're counting them as one kiss. Another kiss after they announce the date card goes to Zach J. But these are full on like sexual makeouts. His chemistry game is, it's a one-two punch. He's got deep emotional connection and fantastic chemistry game. You're hard-pressed to find a bachelorette who will not succumb to that. We cut to the other guys sipping. Bubble Ed says, should we send out a search party for Dale? And Claire, we cut back to Claire and Dale. She says, this is so hard. Claire and Dale are literally basically having sex after Dale says, I'm just going to take her for five minutes. They're gone about an hour, 45 minutes. I will say Dale's play style is fueled by this confidence that I don't think we'll ever see again in the game because Mm -hmm. the situation is so bizarre. He knows he has this locked from the time he enters the game. Because of the cybering. Yes. Yeah. Because of whatever their prior relationship was. Cybering. They shot a whole season together. He already has the ring. I don't was, know. Phantom Season? <laughs> Phantom Season, Phantom Paradise? Maybe they did She's both. really trying know. to make Phantom Season happen. But then Easy decides, you know what? Fuck this. We have to go find them. This is absurd that he's disrespecting us like this. He's been with her for 45 minutes. And Easy goes and knocks on the door. Dale's like, oh shit, the guys are going to give me riff for this. He jokes, let me go hide in the closet. She's like, I should put this on, puts her jacket on over her shirt. Him recognizing that the guys are going to give him riff for this in front of her is a classic and very good move to play. It's when you know you're going to start to be singled out as the villain among the other guys. You voice that concern to the lead so that when it starts to happen, you've already called it and you've already kind of diffused it. He doesn't need to do this, though, because he's at this point like already home free. He gives her one last kiss before she opens the door for easy. He says, we were just having a conversation. And Claire talks like a person who's been caught cheating on her husband in this scenario. But easy gets the steal. Dale comes back to the guys and he's literally giggling and said, I was trying to walk out a little earlier. He does this like coy, jokey thing about it. And then the end of the segment, the producers include a shot here of Claire saying to a producer, can we kind of hurry the rest along? Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Now, we don't actually see her say these words, so I don't know if it's real or not. Yeah, it's shot outside of the building that she's in. But they are still using the scene to convey that she does not give a fuck about the other guys. It's giving a full-on villain edit. We were feeling like they were sort of giving her a villain edit last episode. This is full-on. She's not giving anyone a chance. Which means they're really going to build up Tasha as, this is the real Bachelorette, guys. We know you had a shitty run with Claire, but Tasha's a better one. Like, try it again. Tasha is the makeup present 
to all these guys who are getting fucked over right now. So I wonder if that half of the season is going to be about Tasha or about the guys. Ed is having a conversation with Claire and Riley comes into steel. Ed fails to block the steel here. Claire says, I think it is getting late. Clues. Claire rules the steel is valid and grants the play. <laughs> That's essentially what's happening here. You can block steals. It's hard to do, but it has been done. And, you know, poor Ed tries to do it here and it just does not pan out. Blows up in his face. He's dismissed. And Riley gets his one-on-one time. Blake Moynes does a steal from Riley. Easy, still the colorful narrator, says, there are no rules. And then Jay is talking to Claire, and Dale comes in to attempt another fucking one-on-one time and steal here from him. And Claire fucking openly invites him to come over. Come on, it's fine, she says. And Jay comes back and tells the other guys that Dale stole from him, and Dale is just fucking obliterating people here now. He's taking the entire night. And she's allowing it. She's even fucking inviting it. I have to read you guys something that Clues said in this moment. Dale Moss right now is leaving no ounce of ground uncharred. He's destroying everything and taking what he wants. I've never seen this before from a male player. Aggression when required. Submission when required. Timing is impeccable. He's pulling off highly aggressive super power plays and she's facilitating it. But again, I think that's because of the confidence level. If you're a player in a normal season at this point, you're starting to see her develop relationships with multiple guys. And maybe you're in the lead or front runner or in the pack, you know, but you know she's going out on these other one-on-ones and you're nervous when she's coming back from them. Like, oh, fuck, did it go well? Did what I have with her get fucking thrown back a notch? Where am I in the standing is kind of the question you're always asking yourself. That question's asked by no one in this game no there is no standing it's dale moss and it's everybody else and he knows that the guys are asking where am i in the standing am i dale moss or am i not and they realize i am not him they hook up some more like two teenagers sneaking around their parents house i mean chasen steals from dale which was a weird moment because chasen just walks into her house and we don't see a knock or anything and Dale goes back to the guys and says, I, my bad, I was just dazed and confused and lost. I went to the bathroom. Riley says, stop being a politician and get to it. Easy says, just own it. Just say you want to speak to Claire more. This is the one part of Dale's game that I think is a little weird. And I think belies the fact that they already know each other because he doesn't know how to do that lie. He's very good at like walking in and getting time with her and just fuck it. I'm the guy. But then when it's questioned, when it's like, dude, come on, you're spending so much time with her. Why are you doing all these fucking steals? He's like, I don't know. I was just walking around. Just found her. That's the best he can do at being like, I'm just a regular guy like any of you who happens to be here. Because he knows if he goes too far down that road of explaining how he's doing this, it's going to be like, well, we were cybering. And he doesn't want that. But we then get this little thing played out that a lot of the guys are talking about. If Dale gets the group date rose, they're going to feel disrespected. And this will be fucking pure shit. Claire comes back, sits down, picks up the little rose and gives it to who? <laughs> fucking Dale. GDR, baby. <laughs> I fuck it. I'm just like, come on, Claire. Claire should be doing better at this point. Right. I mean, at least space them out. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. She, by the way, tries to defend him in this speech, says, thank you for stepping up and being bold. I appreciate you showing me you care. She's trying to blanket him in this shield of 4TRR. Every, Izzy says, everyone is disappointed. Spirits are beaten down. 
she she leaves and Jason can barely mutter out. He goes, it was great seeing you. <laughs> Pitiful. The guys confront him again and he says, I was the best man suited to talk to her at that point. And they keep pressing her. He's like, I'm just the best man to be there for her. Jason says, I do not get mad like this, but I'm mad. That's the show. Seleucian protocol. Riley says, her credibility is in question. Re-Claire. And then the sun rises on another beautiful day at La Quinta, Palm Springs. And we have our first one-on-one of this week. It's with Zach J. This will be a spa pedicure, pool party, animal husbandry dog play date. By the way, I will just say right now, something that I think they should have done in this episode, there should be a trigger warning for this part of our conversation, honestly. I'll put in the show notes where you should skip to if you don't want to hear about sexual assault. Certainly, I feel like this episode should have come with a warning because it was pretty insane to watch this on TV and then just play it off the way they did. But basically... The date starts in a spa. They're getting pedicures. Zach J is ticklish. Please don't touch my feet. Ha ha ha. By the way, it is literally my absolute nightmare to have a date while I'm getting a pedicure. I have the same thing as Zach J. My feet are so ticklish. It is the opposite of relaxing. Do not reveal that in your player information to the producers or they will make sure you go on that date. Thanks for the heads up. So while they're on their date, back at the mansion, the guys talk about Zach J and the possibility of anyone be able to direct attention off of Dale. And Zach C puts the rumor out there that maybe Dale and Claire were in contact before the show started on social media. This is a clip the producers have just put into the show. So whatever the show is trying to convey about whether they did or didn't, whether it's on the up and up or not, they are putting the idea in the fucking show that everybody there knows that's a possibility. I don't know why they would put that in the show unless they're trying to show that she is an asshole, that she has gone outside the rules. She's not playing the game. They would not. They're trying to make her look like a cybering liar. Zaxi also says, it's the first quarter and I might be down by a lot, but I have a great play to do ahead, which I thought was funny. Back on the one-on-one, Claire and Zach J go in the pool. Claire ITMs. Having someone like Dale in my life put thing, puts things in a weird position with other people. I wish I could see Dale. I'm just respecting the process. And now in the pool, definitely turn this off if you don't, or skip ahead if you don't want to hear about the sexual assault. It appears like Claire is going in for a kiss and Zach J like leans back, like isn't going to do it. He then grabs her neck slash boob area and then her stomach trying to force her back into this kiss that he missed. She tries to play it off. Um, she kind of gets- laughs about it and tries to make a joke out of it. And he keeps saying, what are you doing? We were going to yeah. kiss. She tries to play it off and is like, let's just, let's get ready for dinner. And like, is getting, gets out of the pool. He follows her and he's like, what's, what happened? She's like, nothing. He then grabs her neck again. He says, I was trying to kiss you. And now he tries to force her neck towards him. This was an extremely sobering moment. I feel like we just literally witnessed a sexual assault, a two-part sexual assault, first in the pool and then this. It should have come with a trigger warning. Claire even describes it afterwards. She says, Zach just made me feel extremely uncomfortable. 
he grabs me. That kind of triggers me and scares me. I didn't want to be near him in that moment if I I wanted to walk away because I'm uncomfortable. This was my error of the game. (laughs) Had to be. This was my error of the game also. You can see on Claire's face, we've seen three episodes of her acting badly. In that moment, she ain't acting. No. She's scared as fuck. Like, there's terror in her eyes. The show not only airs this, no one stepped in to do anything. No producers came out. Nobody fucking came to her. They let all of this happen. He's following her out of the pool after he does the first neck pull. They're talking. He's leaning in. He's kind of flexing up on her. And he puts his hand on her neck again to try and force this same kiss to happen. No one ever stepped in from the production. Literally did not step in. Yeah. I am really questioning their decision to put this in the episode. They could have said what happened easily and still, you know, I mean, I guess they're going to say... We wanted to prompt this discussion. They could have fucking made what anything they wanted up. They could have shown it without any of the sexual assault. Yeah. And then just cut to have Claire do an ITM where she's like, look, I'm just really not feeling it. And I feel like this is my process. And I don't want to sit through a dinner with this guy that I don't want to fucking talk to anymore. They didn't. They could have just pushed all of this aside, gotten rid of him, and it would have made her look better. It would have made the show look better. Yeah. Like, they could have done anything with this. Instead, they fucking just put it right in your face. They made the entire date about it. And then no talking about it whatsoever. Other than she gets her one moment with DLH where she's like, it made me feel uncomfortable and scared. And he's like, well, okay. The show does know that this is a problematic area because at dinner, Zach J is sitting alone and DLH comes over. Sorry to barge in. Unfortunately, Claire is not coming to dinner. And Zach is like, I don't understand. There's a misunderstanding there. We had a great date. One hiccup describing the assault. DLH says, unfortunately, that means you're going to be going home. I'm sorry. A DLH execution. We only see this when something goes very wrong. AKA Rosalind sleeping with the producer, mm-hmm. allegedly. They knew this would be a big deal. That's why they have DLH come out. He also oversees his limo exit like kind of like he's a security person it's basically saying like the show rejects you putting some coverage on them but yeah i really don't like that they put it in and had no warning like people are going to be upset about this and rightly so yeah what the fuck are we watching this is the nature of being complicit after we see something like that yeah how can we fucking tune in next week This is what they're making. They let that guy fucking do that twice to her and didn't do anything except put him in a limo and get him on a plane out of a fucking resort. It's hard because you don't even want to give it your error of the game because it's like, it's not a game. But I mean, a DLH execution is the worst outcome you can have from a date. So moving on. Group date number two (laughs) is the following day. This is going to be a public performance date. The guys meet Claire out on the grounds of La Quinta, and she takes him into a conference room where Margaret Cho is waiting. This is going to be a fucking roast. So they flew Margaret Cho in, risking COVID, and put her up, I guess, for a week or whatever in La Quinta so she can help these guys write jokes. By the way, they have Joe Park introduce her. He says, I'm Korean-American, right? So I know who she is. This is why he has his first screen time of the season other than his mini date on night one. We'll have the one Asian player introduce her. 
And the guys are told by Claire she loves a bold guy who can make her laugh, and they're all explained to that they'll be doing a roast for an audience of the other guys. So Dale will be in the house. So even when Dale is not on a fucking group date or a one-on-one, he's still on a group date or a one-on-one. It doesn't matter. He's in every date. Ivan says, it seems like we might just continue on with this whole Dale and Claire show. And again, this is the producers. They're deciding that he fucking should be there. So we get some shots of the guys writing their jokes, putting on their tuxes, getting ready to do this thing. And everybody takes the stage and everybody's got a joke about Dale. And they're kind of funny. They're hinting at, oh, she's already with him pretty much. They're going to get married, whatever. My favorite joke, by the way, of the night was Jordan. He says, what's one thing y'all don't know about Dale? He says nothing because he doesn't shut the fuck up. Excellent move. It was actually a well-written joke. I could see that happening on an actual roast. But then we have Bennett stepping to the microphone. He is fucking (laughs) locked and loaded. He's got an agenda. This ain't about making people laugh. He's just going to go straight for the fucking jugular. All Dale jokes, in quotes jokes, it's basically just statements about what a shitty person Dale is, and it's relentless. This unbridled attack on somebody who is a front runner like we have never seen was my play 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 of the game now i know what you're saying interesting <laughs> look i know what you're saying Dale moss had it in quotes wrapped up yeah with his group hug and his 40 minute dry hump I get it, okay? But Bennett's not going out without a fight, and this takes a huge amount of confidence to be able to do this. All these other guys are kind of playing by the rules. They do a couple of jokes about Dale and get off the stage and make keep it light and funny. Yeah, Ben specifically says he only put one Dale joke in there so that he could have cocktail party time about something else. Bennett, though, he don't give a fuck. Bennett's like, I'm doing a whole notebook of shit about Dale and what a fucking asshole he is. This is in some ways a little bit of a blaze of glory, but at the very least, Bennett's like, I'm here for screen time, motherfuckers, and I'm about to get it. That entire portion of the date was the Bennett show. Nobody else fucking mattered. He even drops the mic when he walks off stage. He's got a little fucking flair to him. So, like I said, we know nobody can beat Dale and objectively yes he had the fucking play of the game but i just want to shine a light on another strong player that i don't want to go unnoticed because what he did here was worth mentioning that's all i mean i respect your community service in this uh (laughs) play of the game assignment thank you and some sub play here goes to easy i know he's currently potentially embroiled in some bad rumors about his own sexual assaults All that aside, we don't know the facts of that yet. So for now, we're covering him as a player and just keeping it objective. He is the strongest face player we have seen this season. A lot of good eyebrow work, some very good surprise expressions, and he was delivering them in response to Bennett all day long. Absolutely. He is making gifable faces up the wazoo. No one else is. Everyone else looks fucking haggard and like exhausted by this whole thing. And Claire, while she said she likes a guy who can roll with the punches, does not roll with the punches herself. She says, it wasn't just like jokes, Margaret. It was like hostile, right? Jealousy? Claire ITMs, guess what? It's because I like him. 
loading love level one. That's the whole point. Are you new here? I'm so for TRR. I like him. It's a love level. Heard of it? And as they're walking out, there's another shot of a producer. This masked producer. Hearing Claire's complaint that, in quotes, that wasn't funny, was my... Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. It's rare that you see producers on screen. We're seeing a lot more of them this season, I think, because they're in the bubble than we usually do. But these handlers, these henchmen who come out of the shadows to listen to the lead's complaints and usher them in this direction or that direction are always interesting to me because these are the Dark Lord's secret helpers. And to me, this was a great one. It was a great moment. We get to see that this thing the producers have designed is working. In that moment, that producer is happy as fuck. Thankfully, there's a mask to hide the fucking smile because as Claire was saying, that wasn't funny. They hurt his feelings. They hurt my feelings. That producer is fucking ear to ear grinning, devilishly, sharpened teeth gleaming in the night. This is exactly what they want. And we get to see finally a producer in that moment reaping the rewards. Wasn't my bystander, but my bystander was a producer. (laughs) But uh, she does do her job and riles her up so that she cannot have any forward momentum with any of the guys during this cocktail hour, she literally asks every single man about why they made fun of Dale. She's like, are there Dale red flags that I'm missing? I need everyone to explain exactly what they think about Dale and everything that Dale has ever said about me. She goes, you really went hard on him. What was that thing you were saying about uh, Dale? And Bennett's like, I don't, want to talk about Dale. I'm here for you. Let's build this conversation. She just fucking bulldozes him and is like, yeah, cool. But anyway, you said something about he was saying he was best suited. What was that all about? And Bennett, the look on his face is just like, oh, fuck. What can you do? And this Ben also tries to deflect it in his conversation. He's like, I tend to stay out of it. I only had that one comment about him. And this exact same interaction plays out for every one-on-one conversation she has. The guys are trying to talk to her about her and them, and she's like, but tell me about all the shit that you guys said about Dale. And it just keeps going down that road. And it's particularly frustrating one player, Kenny. He says, it really feels like right now she's only interested in Dale. Like, they're dating and we're all wasting our time. And suggests, are they already in a relationship? And Bennett says, no, no, no. We're very early on in the process. Bennett is too fancy to know what cybering is. Well, it seems like some of them still have this attitude that the game is sacred, that the producers wouldn't have allowed that to happen, that there is still play to be done here. Yeah. Kenny's like, who else has she shown that kind of interest for in this house? Nobody comes to mind. And we're starting to build this moment that we've never seen before in the history of our beloved game which is a full-scale fucking mutiny, and it's about to pop off at the very end of this. Claire does something that kind of sets it over the edge, and what she does here, I think, is producer-planned. She comes back to the group, and she sits down in the middle. This is a classic shot on all group date cocktail parties where the lead comes in and sits in the middle of them, picks up the fucking rose off the table, it's up for grabs, the group date rose, and she puts it in her hands, and she tells them, I didn't get what I needed from you guys tonight. I can't give this out. 
see you at the rose ceremony. Bye. And she goes off for a night of sleep. And the guys are just like, uh, what? <laughs> it's so sad. Debar, I would rather have someone get it. That someone suggests, is she a little perturbed that we made fun of her man? And then we see Claire. And she's talking to a producer at their mast. It might be the same producer as yours. And she says, I don't really think I can sit there and go, you dished on my fiance so hard. And then this producer was my. Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. And we see in an ITM, Claire says to herself, thank you for showing up tonight. I'm so proud of you for being bold, speaking up, living your truth and showing up for me. You tonight deserve this, Rose. Claire gives herself the group date rose. I don't think we've ever seen that. <laughs> She's no. the first crown to get a rose given to her by herself. <laughs> I think. I mean, it's a zero pointer for sure. It helps her overall career stats. <laughs> and then we get some final shots after this weird self rose of the guys on the group date all kind of getting together and saying like, what the fuck's going on here? Dale's got this all wrapped up. And we see that they are teaming up against the show now, that there is a mutiny to come. And Kenny ITMs, if you want to get crazy, let's get crazy. How about the rest of us walk out? And we're left on that cliffhanger. Again, no rose ceremony. Not that it matters because we're not even really watching a game now. This whole season is like, so fucking up in the air and just not really The Bachelor. As much as Dark Lord Harrison wanted this to be The Bachelorette, it ain't. Do you think we saw our last rose ceremony? Of Claire? Yeah. Yes. I can't believe that we are going to get our first fucking mutiny. Clues has been pitching this forever, by the way. It's half of his experimental strategies involve the players striking for various purposes. <laughs> The collective bargaining power of the entire player pool is absolute. If you can get a unanimous consent from the player pool to behave in any kind of ultimatum-style strategy against the producers, you'll win it every time. Every fucking time. We've never seen it before, but I think it will win this time as well. Because we get a little previews of the guys being like, well, what, what do we do if Claire's left? And then we get this shot. It's a beautiful woman in a red bikini. She's climbing out of the pool. It is fucking Tasha. And yeah, as you said, it might be a Fast Times of Ridgemont High reference. Sure. But this is a fucking literal Love Island shot right here where they're like, oh, I hope I find love, but Lauren just left. So like, who am I going to date? And then they'll cut to the shot of the new player coming in, literally emerging from a pool hmm. in slow motion, all wet. Well, that shot, though, in Love Island might have been taken from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Phoebe Cates exiting a pool. Yeah, but to be used for this purpose mm. to thematically suggest, oh, you're worried about losing your one hot person? Well, guess what? There's an even hotter one coming right up for you next right. episode. It is a baptism. Into the crown as she emerges from the pool, <laughs> dripping with the waters of La Quinta. <laughs> I had only one possible MVP for this episode. I'm sorry. 
Dale Moss was my M M M M M V P. Claire's drinking the Dale Aid, and so am I. He played this episode other than his brief little weird coy interactions with the guys trying to explain stumbling from the bathroom flawlessly. We've never seen anything like it. I agree with you. I think this is the best male play we've ever seen. We've seen some female players who are up there like this, like Sluice and Maddie. Pretty. It's also a different game. I, yeah. I, I think just generally speaking, the players on Bachelor, the women players, have to play at a higher level. It's a harder game. Yeah. The competition is much stronger. Yes. And honestly, I prefer it, but... I do too. Fucking... We saw him get a first flower. We saw him get a group date rose. We saw him be the star of the other group date that he wasn't on. We saw him get a 45-minute Mikasa, a double steal. It's pure domination. Dale Moss was also my... M-M-M-M-M-V-P. I don't know when his play started. I don't know if they were cybering. I don't know if there's a phantom night one, a phantom date one. I don't know. All I have is the record, what we're watching, the document, our beloved game, and everything he's doing in that is fucking mind-blowing. If you take away that maybe they met, even if they did, though, that's still part of preseason play. It's still part of your, your overall game. But if you just take away all of that and you look at this through the lens of what they're presenting us as what happened. He's been in the fucking game for three days and he's dry humping her for 40 minutes. He's got two zero pointers and a one pointer. Most kisses, most screen time. It's astounding what he's been able to do. This really is a level of dominance we have never seen in Bachelor or Bachelorette. He's so far ahead of everyone. And it's not just that he's so far ahead of them. It's that he's progressed to a level where he's getting her to fucking load an LL3 in an ITM in episode three. What the fuck is that about? Before a second rose ceremony. It's fucking absolutely insane to me. I don't know if we're ever going to see anything like this again, specifically because of COVID and because of potential cybering. And the circumstance of the season is very strange. COVID heightens everything. I still maintain he is not there for her at all. All he wants is Instagram followers. And he's going to get him. He's got him. He's getting plus 30K an episode, at least. Well, we'll see on Friday. We'll have some more stats for you about that. Maybe he'll well. break, but break up with Claire, come back for Tasha. I would lose my fucking mind if he shows up on Tasha's season. Do you think he will? No. I think he plays the relationship with Claire. I don't think they're together currently. I think the After the Final Rose is going to show us that that relationship is done. Well, I can predict exactly what Claire will say in that circumstance. She'll be like, you know what? I followed my heart. I was true to myself. I'm happy with this ring I bought myself. I never showed him the DVD. Did she show Benoit the DVD? I don't know. (laughs) Well, we'll figure it out. But that was our week three episode. I mean, fucking wowee. If ever there was one. Uh, That's a double wowee for me. It was just so packed. So much happened in it that was like revolutionary. So much happened in it that was unfathomable to have ever happened in the game. By the way, we didn't even mention the fact that there was a cell phone in one of the shots of the guys. 
We posted it on the Game of Roses Instagram. You can go there now and take a look at it. There is a shot where clearly someone is in the frame with a cell phone. We don't know if it was a producer and they just didn't crop them out or if it was a player who had their fucking cell phone. But somebody is looking at a cell phone right there on fucking screen. It could just be sloppy editing, which obviously The Bachelor does a lot of. I believe it's most likely a a producer and they fucked it up. I do too. Uh, But it is a clue. Indeed. Thank you for joining us on our journey through what was an historic episode of our beloved game. Please keep sending us all the tidbits. We love those. Thank you very much. A lot of interesting ones floating around. We'll be talking about later this week how Donald Trump retweeted a song done by one of the players in our beloved game. So it is all coming full circle, as we've mentioned. It's all the same shit. And for anybody out there who doesn't think The Bachelor's political or politics are a reality show, I'll say again, Donald Trump retweeted a YouTube video made by one of the players from our game that at the end of it has a clip of Chris Harrison in it. (laughs) Yeah, I believe this is our first uh, presidential retweet of a player we've ever had. So look forward to that. We will be discussing that more on Friday, as well as State of the World, Bachelor Nation News, Parasocial Play of the Week, and our very special Screams from the Pit. Shoya will be with us once again to shed some light on our deep psychosis with regard to our fascination with this fucking show. Psychosis. Eh, Call it what you will. For me, it is uh, an uncomfortable psychosis at the very least. That is in service of Relationship Hero, sponsoring Screams from the Pit all this season. Relationship Hero is an online service where you can go and get a certified relationship coach to help you with whatever kind of relationship you have. Casually dating been together for 10 years, trying to find your soulmate, just looking to make any relationship you're in better. Relationship Hero will help you do that with one of their certified coaches. And if you go to relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R right now, you get $50 off your first session. That's relationshiphero.com slash G-O-R. Yeah, maybe you want help planning your first mutiny. Sure, they can help you. And... For anyone who has signed up for our Patreon, next Monday, we are going to have a very special episode for you. You're going to want to hear this episode. It's an all-star episode, and we are going to be examining the rookie season of one of the greatest players who's ever played. Mm -hmm. Arguably, notice I use the word Arguably. arguably, the best player. The best player. That's what we got coming up for you. And of course, this coming Friday, please join us once again. But before we go, as always, what's the dwab at? It has been 6,792 days without a black bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then
Now you've heard me talk about quince on this program before. I love quince. I am right now head to toe dressed in quince. I got their shirts. I got their pants. I got everything from quince. Quince is my spot for quiet luxury without paying those luxury prices. Quince offers a range of must-have items like 100% European linen, under $50, luxurious mulberry silk skirts, and of course, Italian leather bags and 14 karat gold jewelry from, get this, $30. All their prices are 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And because Quince creates timeless classic styles that won't go out of fashion, you're going to have them in that closet forever, unless you wear them out, which I may because I literally wear them every day. (laughs) I know you're wondering, how do they do it? Well, Quince partners directly with top factories to cut out the cost of the middleman, passing the savings right on to you and to me. What's even better, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium eco-friendly fabrics and finishes so you can feel good about getting high-quality items that are going to last you longer. Upgrade your closet this summer with Quince. Right now, go to quince.com roses to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash roses for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash roses we're coming out of spring and we're headed into summer it's a great time of year it's a time for renewal for me that means reconnecting with friends and family i haven't seen for a while and when i do i want to make sure i have plenty of wine on hand to celebrate with that's why first leaf is a great option. As America's most personalized wine company, First Leaf takes the worry and guesswork out of buying quality wines, especially if you're somebody like me, who knows maybe a little bit about these things, but not enough. Not enough to really make a great decision. They make the decision for you. To get started, you just answer some specific questions about your wine likes and dislikes on First Leaf's website. And these can be things that are about the people you're buying it for as well, if you're doing it as a gift. It only takes about five minutes to create your own personalized wine profile. Then you get your very own wine concierge who's going to use those responses to curate a customized selection of delicious award-winning varieties from rosés to sparklings and everything in between. It's all based on your personal preferences on those questions you answered. These hand-selected wines are going to be delivered to your door within a few days with each bottle priced lower than what you'd pay at a wine store. You even get to choose when you get the wine. Plus, Every selection is backed by First Leaf's 100% satisfaction guarantee. And if you have questions about your wines, like what to pair them with, for example, First Leaf's personal wine concierge team is there to offer that expert advice. So it takes all the guesswork out. I love reconnecting with friends and family over bottles of First Leaf wine, and I bet you'll feel that way too. So give First Leaf a try. Head over to tryfirstleaf.com roses to sign up and save 50% on your first six hand-curated bottles plus free shipping. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F.com slash roses to save 50% on your first six bottles plus free shipping. Tryfirstleaf.com roses. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 